same China, different stories. We are the ones that found our way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. I'm Tara. Wow, this is so trippy. <laughs> Today, I am speaking with Abby, who messaged me directly, actually. She is the pen pal of Casey. Casey is from the first interview. Casey had mentioned in her interview, and I have to agree, Abby, that Casey's right. You have quite a very adventurous life and lots of (laughs) cool stories that you've been going through. I think, let alone that you're a figure skater, which for me, I still couldn't wrap my head around that concept. But hi, Abby. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. That's pretty good. And you are up in Ann Arbor, Michigan? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, you're by yourself, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, My roommate, like, she moved out, like, in March, and then, like, my boyfriend left a couple weeks ago, so I'm, like, by myself. Oh, man. First, to start off, please share more about your story. How did you connect with adoption? I guess, like, most people, like, a lot of people that are transracial adoptees in america like i grew up in like all white family pretty much all white town because i'm from rural massachusetts and i just go to school in michigan but yeah i never really thought about it until i was much older like 17 18 kind of like high school like late high school though and i think that's when i really started to think about how like adoption being asian like tied into my identity and then Mm -hmm. when i got to college too my first year of college i was at smith but now i'm at umich but I think I definitely reached out and I had like a lot more opportunity to meet people of more diverse backgrounds, like both mm-hmm. like socioeconomic and racial backgrounds. So it was kind of, I guess, eye-opening to be able to be like, around all those people, whereas where I'm from in Massachusetts is pretty like homogenous. Mm-hmm. Um, being around like a lot of other like Asian Americans definitely helped me also more to like connect to my adoption in a way because I was able to be around people that you know like looked like me and that's something like I never had growing up right but I think like a lot of us like we don't really like realize it when we're younger like I I knew I was different when I was like very young but like Mm -hmm. you're not quite sure why because like race isn't really something you think about when you're like six or something right I didn't think I was white till I was like 16 but I definitely like I saw myself as white, and, like, when I looked in the mirror, right. at least for me, I was kind of like, oh, I don't look white. Like, I'm kind of, like, felt, like, ashamed of the way I looked, because uh. everyone else around me is white and beautiful, and it's what you see in the media. <laughs> and then you see, yeah. and you look in the media, and then, like, instead, you just see, like, your black hair, your, like, small eyes, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not white. Like, I'm different. Oh, I was going to say, it's really interesting you say that because you you have an older brother who's also adopted yeah, from, yeah. from China, right? Yeah, yeah. But you guys also have a pretty big age difference as well. Yeah, he's 20. He's turning 25. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting you say that too, even though you have a brother who's adopted, but the age difference, I'm sure that impacts your relationship. I know that's how I feel with my brothers too. But even so, you still felt those very similar feelings to a lot of Chinese adoptees too with um yeah I never I'm white even with like a Asian brother who's older <laughs> yeah yeah so it's really interesting too that you mentioned that I want to ask you about figure skating okay. how did you how were you introduced to that was it just like presented as an opportunity to skate or 
I was just wondering how somebody gets introduced into the sport. Mm-hmm. I think when I was younger, it was like a preschool type thing. We'd all just went skating. It's like winter and it's a common thing for people to do that, I guess. It's like True. winter, <laughs> let, let's go skating. And from what I remember, then I asked if I could take lessons and it just kind of like took off from there. Okay. But yeah, I think I've done other sports in the past. I also did like variety, like genres of dance gymnastics but I was doing skating as well and I mm-hmm. stopped gymnastics when I was like eight or nine and then I continued dance until like early high school like 14 skating since I was six uh, okay yeah I guess I, I guess it depends on the area or where you're from or where you grew up where some sports may have more of a prominent focus skating must have been very big in your town yeah I guess mm-hmm. like as a whole in when you look at the whole U.S., like, New England is pretty prominent in New England versus somewhere like the Midwest. It's cool. I don't know. The concept to me still is very terrifying. A very strong fear of the blade cutting you. Which well, you were saying it's not that common, so it's very reassuring. <laughs> yeah, it's really uncommon unless it's, like, synchro skating when you have, like, a lot of people on the ice at the uh, same time. But even then, like, it's pretty uncommon. Okay. Okay, for any listeners who may have the same fear as I do, don't worry. You won't get cut. <laughs> Unless it's synchro skating, which... Have you ever done that? That's a group, right? Uh, it's a, like a group of... How many of you? Like 15? Uh, I think it's it can be anywhere for collegiate. I'm pretty sure it's anywhere from like 12 to 18. I actually did it when I was at Smith. Like I was on the University of Massachusetts team. And it was a lot different of experience because figure skating like, the freestyle, like, the jumps and spins, what people generally think of when they think figure skating. Right. It's a single sport, so it was kind of nice to be on a team for once in my life, because I never, I'd always been, like, an individual sport person, so it was a very different experience. I liked it, but I definitely missed, like, the individuality, and, like, I got more out of singles skating than I did, like, synchro. Okay, I usually save this question for later, but it's a very interesting story, too. Tell me more about your travel experience back to China. Oh. When was that and what happened? So I was supposed to do, like when we had initially talked, right? And I um, was supposed to do the summer immersion program in Beijing, like the Harvard Beijing Academy. And it's like an eight-week program. And it's one of those intensive things where you learn an entire academic year in the eight weeks. And you mm. have language pledge, so you only speak the language, only consume music tv shows everything like in the target language of mandarin and then after that i was supposed to go back to like the hometown where i was adopted from and visit the orphanage and just do some sightseeing for a few days and stuff what happened is because when you i didn't know this until i went to go apply for my visa which so for my region massachusetts you have to go to the new york city chinese consulate and oh. I get there with all my papers and my application, and then they were saying, oh, you were born in China, and it's your first time applying for a visa, so where's your original Chinese passport? Which I didn't know what happened to it. I think maybe I just never got it back in the mail when I applied for a U.S. passport the first time, mm. because we searched, like, high and low for it and just, like, couldn't find it. And then eventually... I was able to get my visa application in because they gave me a sheet to fill out, but obviously 
as adoptees, we don't know any of that. Right. So it just takes a lot longer to track you down in the system, if they can even do it. So I got the visa application in, but I think I, I was supposed to leave for Beijing. I think at that point, maybe like two weeks out or a week and a half. And it ended up not being enough time to go to the program. So like I had no method to enter China. Instead, I ended up going to Taiwan because if you're a U.S. citizen, you can enter Taiwan without visa for 90 days. I self-studied Mandarin there, and then I was also with my best friend, so we just, like, explored Taipei together. But, like... Oh, cool. Yeah, it was... And that was the dream that we had since we were, like, very, very young, because we've been best friends for, like, our whole lives, basically. So, I mean, although I didn't fulfill my dream of, like, you know, going back to, like, where I was born and stuff, that summer I I was able to do that, and so, Mm -hmm. and it was my first time being back, like, Asia since being born there, too, so it was, like, very, I guess, like, conflicting emotions, kind of, like, Mm. if that makes sense. It does, it does, definitely. Yeah. I'm sure the opportunity will come again where you could go back to your hometown, which is, where is your hometown again? Or, I guess, where were you, you're adapted from? So, I'm adapted from Jiangxi, it's, like, Luoping, which is, like, the city like where the orphanage like is oh okay yeah like it's like in southern china southern china yeah yeah which oh it's kind of funny because you know how like last time we talked um and also to the zoom thing where like this one girl was saying hey um abby like me and a whole bunch of other girls like we were all adopted like at the same time i did a zoom Mm -hmm. call with them oh i think it was they do it like every friday but like, last Friday was the first one I went, and I told them how, like, my 23 and me was coming in the mail, and, like, they were saying that, like, I look like I'm from northern China instead of, like, southern China. Yes. And that's what my boyfriend yes. tells me, too. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. I was gonna bring that up, because a lot of your features and your skin tone, too, seem more aligned with what you would think is northern Chinese uh-huh. or northern China. So I think the thought behind that could potentially be, I mean... Of course, I'm not an expert on it, but I have heard that a lot of parents or the birth mother will take their child and travel out of their region mm-hmm. from where they, from where you were probably born and then leave you somewhere else. So it could be very likely that they traveled a far distance and left you in that, in, in the town. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but 23 and confirm any sort of because they do split between northern and southern in China yeah, for yeah. the traits. So that will be really interesting when you get your results back officially. Let's take a break. That trip you went on with your best friend, but you went to Japan as well, was tied into that one too. Yeah, so it was the same kind of because where I was staying in Taipei, I was staying in a share house. And the program that if you pay rent in like where you're staying you can go to the share houses they have in korea or japan for like no extra cost oh. for up to a month so i went to tokyo for a week too yeah what okay this is what casey means by living vicariously through you, <laughs> it's like what for this trip you went back to taiwan and tokyo yeah 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 <laughs> so japan mm-hmm. that's pretty cool do you have any cool suggestions for food options in either of those places um the best food i think because i know you're vegetarian too yeah 
I'm more of like a dessert kind of person than like a food kind of person. But I really like mango shaved ice, like in Taiwan. Oh, especially when like the mangoes are in season, it's so good. So yeah, I believe it. Also, like the night markets have a lot of good food. A lot of them's like meat, though. My friends said they were good. Oh, but you know, I didn't get to eat. Them, right. So I have heard in Japan, the Seven Eleven equivalent is much better there. Did you ever go into Seven Eleven? Yeah, that... but. I mainly just got, like, rice to eat because I was trying to, like, cram a whole <laughs> bunch of, like, activities to do that, like, I didn't okay, really yeah. prioritize, like, trying out the cuisine. All the food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really cool. That's a nice trip, and hopefully when you get the chance, you should be able to go back. It's a fun story, even though, unfortunately, you couldn't go back to China, but you were able to go back to Asia. It's still nice. Yeah, it was also, like, really weird because I never... The first day that I got there, because I had a really long layover, it took, like, I think the total, like, travel time from, I flew out of Boston. Yeah, it went from, like, Boston to, like, Seattle, and then, like, Seattle mm. to Korea. But then I had, like, a seven-hour layover in Korea, but it was, like, 2 a.m., so I couldn't do anything. Oof. And then finally from Korea to Taipei. Um, so it took a really long time. I remember meeting up with my friend for um, dinner. Like the first night I got there, I, I was so jet lagged. And she was like, oh, like, Effie, it's your... Because she's like, her mother's from Taiwan. So she's been back with... At that point, it was like her sixth or seventh time being in Taiwan. So it wasn't anything new to Oh, her. okay. She was like, oh, Effie, like, what's it like? Like being around, like, everyone's like Asian. Like everyone looks like us, like... <laughs> have you ever seen like this many Asian people in your life? Because <laughs> in one place? Yeah, yeah. And it was like really like, it didn't hit me until much later that when you're in like all white community and it's really obvious that's like, oh, like I'm the odd one out here. Mm-hmm. And then when you're in Asia and it's so weird because it's like, wait, everyone's just Asian. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just never felt that before. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure many people would relate to your feeling on that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, there's, I guess, smaller scales. If you went to Chinatown in New York or yeah. San Francisco, it's very, oh, yeah, it's like you're basically in China. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's why it's called Chinatown. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I think you, you'll learn a lot. I'm sure you'll be very excited to get your results back from 23andMe too, to give you a better idea of. Mm -hmm. i guess all of your roots too yeah what's interesting too like i'm sure you've seen well now more people are doing it once more people do it the database gets updated and stuff so your results can change over time i believe 23andme probably has a fair amount of asian descent individuals versus like ancestry me i think has a lot more european yeah yeah like it's one of my ancestry (laughs) kind of what we were saying before like (laughs) yeah we talked where you pay like a hundred dollars and it just circles all of China and it says you're Chinese. Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool that you ended up going to Taiwan and Japan. Not everybody gets to do that. The opportunity doesn't always come and you made the best of it too. So Yeah, awesome. yeah. And then your boyfriend is from ta- Taiwan too, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There we go. Asian boyfriend. <laughs> I've gotten a conversation with somebody about... So there's a term called Koreaboo. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah. I'm That was new to me. So I had to ask this person, like, what exactly is a Koreaboo? It doesn't sound bad, but it kind of does the way you're explaining it. My response immediately was, I think it's easier to date an Asian person, to be honest. 
you get better food. <laughs> Have you ever heard the term weeaboo as well? It's like no, what uh, is it's that? like if it's describing someone who's like a weave. It's just like really into like Japanese like culture. That's like okay. the dumb definition of it, yeah. So you have like Koreaboo and you have Weaboo. <laughs> what? And then is it usually the per- the person is white too? Is what I was understanding. It's like it's usually a white person or somebody. I'm not sure actually. I don't know that much. I just know the terms and like Weaboo. Yeah. Weaboo. W e e a then boo. I think. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's the Chinese version of that? What do they call... You see that a lot. You see a lot of, like, white men or women with a Chinese female or male or them, Um, they. There's always a mix, but I haven't heard the term for that. Is there a term for that one, too? The white and Chinese mix? I don't really know. I think this is a more blanket term, but, like, yellow fever, but that's... Right. If anybody knows what the official term, I guess, for the Chinese version of weeaboo and koreaboo... Let me know, because now I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard... You know, actually, I think, like, it could be completely wrong, but Koreaboo and Weeboo's, like, they're rooted in the culture of Korea and Japan. I feel like Japan, there's, like, Studio Ghibli and anime and stuff. There's K-pop and stuff, but, like, China, I still feel like hasn't hmm. quite gotten to that, like, level of acceptance in, like... Oh, that's really interesting. In a way. I, I don't know, like, that's, like, a little bit part of it. This is a huge blanket statement, but, you know, when you think Japan, you think anime and yeah. cherry blossoms, and then Korea, it's, like, K-pop. But, like, China, don't mm. feel, like, relative to Korea and Japan, there's still a lot more, like, racist remarks towards China than other Ooh. East Asia. That's That's a good point, actually. I agree. I guess it's, yeah, you're right. Can't really add to that, actually. I'm not, like, it, it is a pretty big blanket statement. I remember I was talking a couple of years ago with my best friend, and she was saying, yeah, like, I feel kind of Japan and Korea are making, like, influences on, like, Western culture, but China just hasn't really gotten to that level as much. Not yet. Because yeah. K-pop has been mainstreamed in the U.S., right? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess probably in Canada, too. I can ask the Canadian Chinese stuffies. I know. <laughs> I guess K-pop has definitely been mainstreamed worldwide yeah definitely i mean there's been a handful of chinese or asian actors that have really made their way in hollywood or entertainment but i know there's going to be a big wave coming up i do like that statement you made i think that's that's a very good way to put it i mean there's a lot of truth to what you were saying there the mainstream popularization of korean and japanese culture Mm -hmm, yeah Is there anything you would want to hear from other adoptees or people where adoption has become a big part of their lives? In terms of hearing from, like, other people, just, like, kind of what we were talking about the first time we talked, yeah, like, adoption is something that kind of brings us all together, but it's not the only thing that defines you. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, like, hearing other people's stories about, you know, like, Casey's, like, into modeling, like, I do figure skating, you were interviewing someone else who's microbiologist or something, like, oh, yeah, like, there's so much more accomplishments and, like, parts of our identity than just being adopted. It's nice to hear, like, people, and, like, through this podcast, too, that allows, like, us to show, like, okay, yes, we all have this commonality, but, like, look at how other things in our life that we're, like, achieving and other things in our life that, right, that's not the only thing about us. 
if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. No, that's perfect. I agree. And then the person I actually interviewed for the last episode, she is a designer. So she's also in the creative field. And we essentially really talked about a lot of stuff that was sort of honest and sort of very to the point about adoption. Mm -hmm. I think it's good to reiterate it again is there's no, there's not really a solution to being Chinese in the U.S. or around the world adopted to another country. It's always going to be a part of who you are, your identity. There's not really a solution to it of how do I become white or black or whatever family I'm a part of? It's something we're going to be dealing with constantly. And it's all a matter of perspective, I would say. It's my, my two cents on that one again. That's all my questions I wanted to ask. Is there anything else you wanted to share? I guess just because, like, how we were talking about for this podcast, it's definitely, like, a resource that, like, adoptees can go to because a lot of us are older now and it's, mm-hmm. like, the main bulk of people are now, like, mid-teens to, like, early 20s, it seems. Mm-hmm. And I think definitely something that I would have liked to hear growing up, it's, like, I'd like to let people know when I was younger, like, even now, too, like, being around a lot of friends who are, like, Asian American and come from families that, like, immigrated from China or Taiwan, mm-hmm. I felt, like, a sense of, like, shame in that, like, I didn't have the same background as them or that I didn't have the same upbringing. And I think I'd like to tell people, kind of, there's nothing to be ashamed about, about, like, being adopted. And, like, it's not something that you can control. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would probably tell people, like, just don't be ashamed for something that was, like, out of your control. Like, it's not, like, you know, being, like, raised white, like, per se. Right. Like, there's not just one way to be Asian American. So, like, yeah, just don't feel, don't feel bad or don't feel, like, inadequate. and Don't feel, like, less Asian just because of something you had no control of, I guess. That's good. Yeah, that's like something I would probably tell people. I agree. I think it's definitely something good to hear from another, basically another Chinese adoptee also share it, but yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good principle in life, too. There's going to be a lot you can't control. Don't let it stress you out. Yeah. <laughs> Try your best to just breathe through it. Breathe through and continue. Breathe through and continue. <laughs> yeah (laughs) thank you for talking with me this was a lot of fun yeah i'm excited that you found me through the interview with casey too she's definitely a fun person to connect with casey is from the first interview and now i have abby who is casey's pen pal so (laughs) goodbye for now thank you for listening to abc we are on major podcast platforms including apple and spotify email adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail or direct message adoptedbabiesfromchinapod on Instagram and Facebook if you would like to share your story. Mm-hmm.